0: You're listening to another great podcast in the stoplight Network.
1: I said we're ready to do this and folks, that's just how it begins. Mike is ready to do this. Welcome to geekiest show ever, episode two hundred and seven. And I know it's hard to believe that we've been at it for this long, but it's just the way it ha- it's the way it goes. and hopefully we'll be at it for another two hundred
2: and seven seconds or something to that effect. <laughs> Until the men in the white coats show up to give us our uh, medicine and haul us off for basketball. Drag you off plants. kicking and screaming. There you go. And yes. folks, that voice is the special guest that I
1: have been promising <laughs> for a couple weeks, Ms. Bo- Ms. Bonnie Smalley, formerly or known to me originally, a.k.a. Comcast Bonnie. Bonnie is a former uh, Comcast employee. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that. Welcome, Bonnie.
0: Happy to be here, guys.
1: Bonnie is a, uh, uh, how can I say this? She was one of the early adopters of social media from a company, from a big company perspective. Um, I'm going to give her props up front and possibly uh, embarrass her just a little bit and say how wonderful she treated me when she worked for Comcast and how I think I have three documented instances where I was having horrific problems here in my local area. And Bonnie jumped in, and I don't know whether she pulled strings, killed people, or did what, but things started working here in my area.
0: Now, I killed some motherfuckers to get some shit done for you, so.
1: <laughs> Good for you. We appreciate it, Bonnie. All deaths are welcome in this in this case.
2: <laughs> and if for future reference, I have a list, so if you're looking for contract killing... Well, no, I shouldn't say that out loud. The feds will come after me. But anyway... <laughs>
1: yeah no uh we wanted to talk to bonnie uh again, I've been tweeting back and forth with Bonnie i guess since about two thousand eight eight or nine, eight or nine yeah. yeah when i first got uh when I first got on twitter and somebody i i actually got referenced to you by John Dvorak
0: yep that guy's a jerk
1: <laughs> <laughs> no we're not arguing we won't <laughs> but he he talked about one of your coworkers. Frank, yes, and Frank, and then Frank somehow referred me over to you, and that's where we made the connection and uh, recently, Bonnie, who was suffering from PTSD post traumatic Twitter syndrome uh, <laughs> has returned online and is uh, uh, her and I got into a conversation, I thought, wow, this is a great chance to talk to somebody that's been in the trenches with a big company that we all love to hate. <laughs> And let her talk about her experiences. So first thing I want to do is I saw your Google, uh, your was it the Google campus where you did that little talk?
0: Yeah, it's the Google campus in Boulder.
1: Okay, I saw that little bit. So maybe you could give a shorter version or you can give that full version of what you talked about there so the listeners can get a better understanding of, of what you've done and where you're coming from.
0: All right, well, the Cliff Notes version is uh, basically I started out as a phone jockey at Comcast, taking phone calls back before the days of VoIP um, phone, before they released their digital voice. Uh, About a year and a half later, they released digital voice, and I started troubleshooting that, too. And then they pulled me over to a special team to port phone numbers, and I got tired of that. So I went to go work in their data center in Pennsylvania to kind of help run their provisioning system for one of their billing systems. Um, And then I was getting really bored in that job, and I would be sitting on the Internet all day just you know, trolling message boards, mostly consumerists because I really dig that site. And I uh, would see these people complaining about Comcast, and I saw uh, Frank commenting in these comments one day, and I messaged him and said, oh, my God, you can't do this. Comcast, it's illegal. You can't help people on the Internet because we actually had managers that would sit on, like, broadband reports and look for employees so that they could report them for helping customers on the Internet. God. So <laughs> I know. It's fucked up, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Is it really,
0: Frank? I messaged him back before I think this. Don't worry, I have you know the okay from the higher ups to do this. And like two months later, he's like, "Hey, you should come join my team." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Get me out of this boring ass data center." And uh, that's how I ended up tweeting for them. And I mean, I have. A pretty technical background, even though my focus was customer service, as Kevin saw, I got some pretty weird issues that a lot of people weren't able to fix. And that's kind of what my my specialty ended up being was this person who didn't give up on my customers' issues. And there were people that I was working on an issue for over a year. And we found weird ways to cope with the issue, never really found the root cause, but found a way to deal with it at least. Um, things that most people aren't going to spend a year working with a customer on. So, you know, that was one of the coolest things about that job is that I had the leeway at the time to really focus on my customers and help them the right way. Oh, my God. It's like unheard of there.
1: um, Still it is again.
0: (laughs) When I was there, I won the Shorty Award for Customer Service, which is, as far as I'm aware, Comcast's only customer service award they've ever won. Um, and that was in, was that 2009? I think it was 2009, or maybe it was the year I got married. I'm not sure. Time kind of, like, mixes together, Um, but I did the whole tweeting thing for another year or so and ended up getting run over three days after my wedding and was out on disability for a while and um, actually had a nervous breakdown right before my wedding because we got a new VP in of customer operations who was like, me constantly and not letting me do my job the effective way that it had been done before and trying to change everything to basically the way they're operating right now, which is you send a tweet, you might get an answer in 24 hours, maybe. When I was still tweeting, I had like five minutes to tweet somebody back, so that's it's weird to have that now. Um, So I came back from disability and I found out they had changed my schedule from working four 10-hour shifts in a row to five eight-hour shifts broken up across the week, and I had many, many doctor's appointments from that accident to take care of, and they didn't give me a choice on days off. They didn't even give me the option about changing it to that 5 to begin with, and I tried it for a week and said, I can't do this, and they said, well, either you can deal with it or you can leave, and I said, well, I guess I got to leave, and that's why I'm not there anymore. <laughs> oh,
2: that's terrible. Well, it is what it is. Well, I kind of have a related thing. My daughter's brother-in-law used to do telephone support for a major television manufacturer. I won't mention which one. And he got let go because he was uh, helping too many people. Um. Yeah, his call rate, you know, wasn't sufficient enough. But yeah, I think he was trying to do the same thing as you. And he's the kind of guy that you know will try to get an answer for people because he also used to do telephone tech support for Xbox, and he ran into some you know stuff there. And so you know he kind of uh, would do that kind of stuff. And it's frustrating to think that this maybe I'm not going to say it's every company, but like you say, Comcast is like legendary. We don't have it out here. We have a rural telephone, cable, internet provider, so we don't have those kind of issues, but you know, when I listen to talk shows and stuff, Comcast is the equivalent to a curse word. Um, yeah, <laughs> Really? <laughs> Very much and, so. And it just kind of troubles me that you know, companies are, you know, they put the bottom line, they had a customer service, because here's and I used to work at a, a different company uh, where they would put they figured if they could put they, – they made potato chips. They figured if they could put crap in a bag, to people would keep buying it. Well, they kind of figured out when their sales dropped um, because people didn't want to buy it. You know, they, they, they couldn't figure this stuff out, and that's what drives me a little nuts is that these companies just think they can kind of screw over the customer and make money. And at some point, I hope the backlash hits, and they start to realize that if you treat your customers well – They'll be loyal. They'll come back. They'll forgive things when because not not everything goes right. Things will go sideways once in a while. But if you get good customer support, you know people will flock to your company. You will do more business. I mean, look at Apple. They're kind of legendary for their for their tech support, and you have a lot of loyal Apple fans out there.
1: Yeah, it's it's really sad to see where customer support overall has gone. And again, I've experienced multiple extreme. I've been the customer support. Um, not quite to the level Bonnie has been, but a- as I said, I mean, there were times... the ver- I think the very first time that we got in contact was when the signal-noise ratio on my modem was way up, yeah. and-, and you were sitting there going, wait a minute, I think I know what it is, and you're troubled... <laughs> and then you sent the reset, I think, or did... I can't remember what you did that time, but somehow you fixed it without me having to do much of anything. And it was... I, I was just like, wow, this is somebody that actually cares.
0: I remember what happened. It was um, when we had first deployed Doxus 3.0 mm-hmm. to the cable modems. And at the time, the upstream channel bonding, you'd have four channels you would bond to. Um, the modem would lock itself onto an old legacy channel and it would start like freaking out. And sometimes those channels would have like really bad signal or something like that. And I think that's what happened with you because that was that was happening a lot while I was still there before I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's a lot more stable now because there's less legacy equipment out there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yours was, like, probably one of the first ones I had where I had to learn how to use the CMTS because that was new to me because that's, you know, very high-level networking equipment. Um, and that was pretty interesting to have to learn that for my customers so that I could get you guys <laughs> fixed.
1: Well, now – as, as you've progressed okay that's a good uh intro to the question i was getting ready to ask you you started doing that sort of thing and helping people like me learning new tools how much support did they give you or not give you when you would do things like that i mean did they say oh here's a tool go learn it or did you have to go p- kicking and screaming say give me a tool <laughs> is there a tool out there
0: I will say, um, even though Frank and I don't really talk anymore, um, he stuck up for me um, for a really long time about some of the stuff I was doing, which was not conventional. I was reaching out to principal engineers in the company to learn the things I needed to learn. Um, a lot some principal engineers were totally cool with that they were totally hyped that some random chick in the company saying hey how does this thing work i want to make it work better for my customers and then there were other guys who's like who the fuck is this girl why is she talking to me i'm gonna go talk to some vp about it and like make her stop and frank would stick up for me in those instances but i was i had to fight for a lot of things even like computer parts. I would scavenge the floor in the Comcast tower I was on in Philly for, like, parts. Like, I needed more RAM, I needed more monitors, I needed a whole other terminal so I could run testing on. Um, I had to get a cable modem put in my cube so I could test correctly. And these are all things I really had to fight for or go get them myself. Um, So I would say that's pretty much half and half, um, you know, my Direct supervisors stuck up for me when I went out to learn the things I needed to learn. Uh, Granted, these are not things I ever thought I would need to learn and did not know them going into this job and had to learn on the fly. So that should tell you something about, you know, you gave me an issue I knew nothing about and saw something's wrong but didn't know why that was happening and I learned it on the fly to help you out.
1: Yeah, and that's what I said. It was truly amazing, and that's what I miss now. I mean, I have developed a relationship with somebody in Comcast that I don't push on unless I have to. I try to work through the normal support channels, but I do have somebody that I can go around the end if I really have to that has treated me very well and helped with my account overall, but... I I really try not to do that because I don't like to abuse those types of relationships. Right, you know, right. Cause when I need the help, I really need the help. I don't want to, to push out somebody. And I think one of the things I've enjoyed, I've watched some of your tweets recently uh, where you got on, there was a tweet stream going something about what well, Comcast cares came back and it had been two days. I think since they'd yep. been tweeted at, Yep. Talk a little bit about that. That was funny. I thought that was a hilarious. All
0: I said was something about, I don't even remember what the original tweet was, but it mentioned Comcast. And, like, two days later, some Comcast rep on Twitter comes back to me, like, can I help? I'm like... Who the fuck are you? Do you know who I am? Like, I'm your grandmother in this Twitter sphere, okay? Like, I don't need your help. You need my help.
2: Well, suddenly I'm getting this picture of you bow down and uh, genuflect before me, you peasant or something. <laughs> I, I recently watched with my
1: oldest the uh, last, uh, uh, what is it? Mockingjay, Jay. No, I can't think of it. Part two.
0: Hunger Games. Oh,
1: Hunger Games. Thank yeah. you. I just recently. So now I'm picturing Bonnie as, as uh, Katniss. <laughs> Wait, she's got the bow ready, but she's going to point it at this poor bastard. kicking ass. <laughs> So that—that's just the way I have a picture of you now, Bonnie. You are forever ingrained that way as, as well, that's cat. That's
0: a good. That's a good way for me to be imagined, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, either that, or the way you're talking. I just kind of cur- uh, saw you curling up at night with a good technical manual or something I as actually- you went to bed.
0: I printed out the FCC net neutrality ruling the day it happened. I went to like FedEx and got it what? found and everything, and like read it in my bed, highlighting all the good shit. <laughs> so yeah, that that could totally happen.
2: <laughs> okay, and I say this with all due respect, but nerd. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay, we're on the same page. She though. she is one of us. Oh,
1: she, totally. Awesome. She She needs not. She need not be assimilated. She is one of us.
0: We are nerd.
1: Yeah, well, yes. that's, yeah. That's like uh, I tweeted out this morning that I was having Earl Grey hot. hot. <laughs> and somebody said,
0: "Ah." <laughs> Actually, uh, I have a Star Trek Pez dispenser collection right next to me. So
1: <laughs> awesome! Well, you'll, you'll like this, Bonnie. Both Mike and I have spoken to uh, Gene Roddenberry's son.
2: Yes, it was for like all of a minute. Yeah. No, no. Oh, no, I got like to s- talk
1: to him longer than that.
2: Yeah, this is true, and okay, people aren't getting the video that we're doing here. So she, her jaw dropped, yeah, her Michael's eyes widened. Like what? Yeah, and of course, you know, I'm am sitting there like and all I could say was, I want my Star Trek future, and I want it now. At least in the, one of the other guys on it was on a, um, a Skype thing. At least he had sense enough to do the live long, live long and prosper. Yeah. Uh, thing. He at least had sense enough to do that, and I'm just kind of like, yeah. And so that was that was kind of awesome. So. Yeah, There's we-
0: actually a picture on our fridge of me in Disney World for Halloween a few years back, and mm-hmm. I am Spock in this picture. Like, I got the wig and the ears and the everything with the hands, So and the shirt. I had my, my blue shirt, so no, you're blue- good. Oh, good. Okay.
1: Yeah, no, we'll be a red shirt. We'll lose No, you. no, no.
0: I don't want to die, man. I don't want to die. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs> well, now, you know what else is interesting about you with Comcast is you knew – the founder of Comcast.
0: I met Ralph Roberts. So He was a cool dude.
1: He wasn't the asshole the company is.
0: No, Ralph Roberts was a really nice old dude who built this company basically taking transmitted over-the-air signals and throwing them over a coax connection. And he took that and made it into this behemoth that is Comcast now. And you got to give somebody respect for building a company that big. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the way they've acquired their systems that they've acquired in the past, so, you know, um, but Ralph himself,
2: <laughs>
0: I see that over there. Um, yes. <laughs> Ralph, he was a really nice guy. and I met him. We had a uh, a lunch thing at the Comcast Center in Philly at the headquarters. And he basically had a lunch for my team because he saw what we were doing and the difference we were making at the time to better Comcast's image in the public's eye. And he really genuinely respected that. He goes, I have no idea how this thing works that you're doing, but you're doing it well and it's making us look better. And he really, like, honestly thanked us for that. And I have a picture with him that I got taken and he promised me when we took the picture that I wouldn't make it into a dartboard. (laughs) <laughs> so he's a really great sense of humor He's a very nice guy Now his son Brian on the other hand Is like way introverted Like I used to get stuck in the elevator with him And at the time I had pink hair And now it's kind of blue but, to remember um, that. I remember that Yes I had pink hair And he would just stare at me like Whoa what the fuck is that What are they doing in my building I'm just going to stand here in the corner And you know look weird at me But I he doesn't say much um, and I don't think that he has the same healthy respect for the employees that his dad did. Um, his his dad was real big on still being humble about what he was doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: not to make Comcast seem good at all, but, I mean, Ralph as a person was a nice guy. He made Brian be a field tech before he could get into management. Wow. So he he really wanted to impress that upon his son that, you know, hey, there are little people doing a real hard job here too. Um, Not that I think that really worked out very well. Uh, My husband used to be a field tech. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I really, I got along with Ralph. And it was very sad when I saw that he passed away. That was, I actually was genuinely sad that he passed away. Um, When was that? I
1: forgot now. How long ago did he pass?
0: Recently, like within the last year, yeah. I think. Oh, I was thinking Con- it had My been concept of less- time is jacked up. I'm in Colorado, so. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm. I um, I was thinking it had been longer than that, but I guess it hasn't been. It's been a, it's been a while. I'll I'll try to remember to go find that picture and I'll I'll put it in. Uh, that might be our show notes picture for this week. Our 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 artwork. I mean, for the for the. I can week. send
0: it to you if you need it. So. Yeah.
1: Okay. I think it's in your Twitter stream. If I can't find it, I'll ask you for it. How's that sound? Cool. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's. I mean, it, it's really odd because Comcast is so big, you don't, you don't really think, especially now, you don't think of the faces. And I know there probably are still people inside of Comcast that are like you, that are willing to help their customers.
0: Funny enough, um, we had a secret society. In Comcast. I'm not even remotely kidding here. We had we would put a signature in our email that anybody who saw that signature knew that you were committed to helping people. That you weren't just trying to pass the issue off. And it's wow. sad that we had to do that, but that's how we could recognize each other. Because there are people in that company. There's a lot of people in that company that really wanna help people and wanna make the next big thing and really, you know, push us all into the future but there's a lot of crappy people there too which you know is what you hear about the bulk of the time people don't ever tweet about good service they tweet about bad service right so you know i you know, my husband. Um, like I said, he was a field tech there. We used to like work together online over instant messenger, and he was just as committed to helping people as I was. Including principal engineers who don't even interact with customers, they still wanted to help them. So it was interesting that you brought that up because there are definitely people there who are committed to doing the best they can to help people, given the restrictions and constraints placed upon them by the company.
1: Yeah and and it's really sad when you see that in a big company and um it makes you really wonder you know it, of course in in my case and I think Mike's case too he lives in the middle of nowhere but even mm-hmm. here where I live in the northern part of the Shenandoah Valley I don't have any other choice for broadband service really mm-hmm. wired let's put it that right. way I'll put right. wired wired broadband service and you don't have to get very far out of the town I live in to where people don't have it so I mean it's you know it's you really ought to have I I always think that co- they always say competition is supposed to make you better but I really think when you're not in competition you should do better because your customers don't have any other choice so try to help them as much as you can. Right. I mean, that's that's my philosophy.
2: Well, that's but the you know the problem is and I'm going to be a little cynical here. I mean, you've got people in there and You know, MBAs is supposed to be master business, but sometimes I think it stands for mighty big assholes. (laughs) And yeah, and you know, there's this, and because I had a discussion with a lawyer once. (laughs) (laughs) Spit tag. Awesome. Uh, Okay, we're off the rails. We're not even on the rails, but tonight we're really off the rails. But. but you know there's this thing called fiduciary responsibility and i got into a discussion with a, a lawyer that was setting up a trust for us and, and he said you know we, we have a farm we rent it out and we knew the rent wasn't you know as high as it should be but we had good people we wanted to keep them we knew we needed to raise it they knew that we, ne- we needed to raise the rent and we said we, yeah we know and he said well you should be charging like a hundred bucks an acre i said no they wouldn't be able to willing to pay that or it would be an undue hardship because we got good people there that farmed the way we do and it wasn't just me it was my brothers and my sisters was a group decision and he told us that you know it's your fiduciary responsibility to earn as much money as you can and i said well when did fiduciary responsibility become a synonym for financial rape um because you know when you 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 know yeah you do want them and you have stockholders at comcast and you do have a responsibility to try and earn as much money for them as you can and so you have all these uh bean counters looking at the bottom line well you know it's costing us 3.2 cents for all these help calls and we have this many calls we can save all this money if we got this or if we do this or if we quit spending so much time on it and i just i hope there's some people smart enough there to realize that it's your cost ratio benefits for a lot of this stuff yeah it's costing you money but you get good um You know, consumer uh, respect, uh, rapport, people come back, people recommend you. Uh, But, you know, the thing is, yeah, they are, like Kevin said, they're in a – most of the times they have no competition or very little competition. And and so they're just kind of like, yeah, it's not worth it. I mean, we got a lock on it. If people want it, they'll get it. If they don't, screw them, go away. Um, And so that's unfortunately – and. Some companies just don't have that kind of respect for the customer to go an extra mile and, you know, provide a good service. Jeff,
0: real quick, on that point, um when I was still there, the guy that I was telling you about that was poking me, um, this was when, if anybody on the podcast follows the consumers, they do a worst company in America <laughs> award every year. And usually Comcast wins it, but this one year bank of america won it because bank of america really they really fucked some shit up in the u.s okay well they got voted worst company in america primarily because they fucked up the economy and they have really shitty customer service well comcast brought in the bank of america customer operations vps to run comcast's cup comp- it's like what? Whoa, who thought about this being a good idea? Like really it just it boggled my mind that they did they made this move and like I'm sitting there thinking to myself, these guys came from a company people don't like and they weren't doing a very good job there either. So what makes them think they're going to do a great job here? And honestly, I really truly believe that these people that are in these, like, God positions within the company, you know, VPs and senior VPs who don't even interact with the customers or underling employees, they don't know what's going on. They don't get a true customer temperature of what's happening in the company because they they get, like, reports from focus groups and shit. So they see what they want to see, in my opinion.
2: Or they get yeah. reports from underlings who don't want to get the boss mad at them, so they'll give them complimentary reports, perhaps leaving out details just to not irritate the boss. Whatever, well, they're maybe I'm being their asses. oh, yeah. <laughs> and I get well, that, but sometimes you gotta put your ass on the line. So,
1: well, you know, I mean, that just I, that baffles me because okay, they they're not in touch with the customer, but they have got to hear the stuff that is said about them.
0: Oh, they do. They get a report every day emailed to them. It's all the executives get. I used to get it, too. It's all of the major news points of Comcast for the last 24 hours. I think the PR department sends it out, if I remember correctly. Um, And it's basically everything big that Comcast has showed up in the media. Um, which is how the executives found out about the Shorty Award because it showed up in that report. They had no idea that I'd even, like, been nominated for this thing. Good God. And then all of a sudden I started getting emails, like, the day after I won it from these people I'd never heard of before. And they're like, good job, Bonnie. And I'm like, who are you? Can I get a raise? Like, that would be great.
2: And they went, ha you're funny. No.
0: Yeah, yeah, they gave me, like, a 0.2% raise that year. That was, like, a real kick in the face. Uh, can, yeah. can I
1: get a new mouse? I-
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Just give me a new mouse, or like a computer speaker, or maybe another <laughs> monitor. Like that would be great.
1: Yeah, it's I just mean, a RAM. And, and the RAM will. And, and if you get a new monitor, it's not going to ask for benefits. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's just that way. Well, now you said you you met your husband because he worked there.
0: Is like the love boat.
1: Oh, okay. It well, is. Okay. There
0: are a lot of people there who are married to each other uh, that okay. met each other at Comcast. Well,
1: I, I freely admit I met my wife of 27 years almost uh, at where I work. Her and I met there. I actually knew her dad before I knew her. <laughs> he worked there too, and then she came to work different part of the company. We met, started dating, and so on, and so forth, and uh, almost. Uh, been married 27, been together almost 30 years, so wow. I'm pretty sure she regrets most of it. But anyway, <laughs> that's beside the point. Uh, but uh, it's interesting, how did your husband take it when Comcast kind of kicked your ass to the curb?
0: Well, he had to be quiet, for one, because he still worked there. Right. Um, he was actually working at um, the northeast area of their territory. Um, like it's a video service desk, so they monitor all the video stuff for that region. Um, and that's kind of what he did when he moved out here for a different company. Um, but when we first met each other, it was you know, a totally different department, and we had not even met each other in person. But we talked online for two years. That's cool. You learn a lot about a person that way. But um, when this whole situation happened, it was right around our wedding. Um, it was two months after our wedding, actually. Wow. Um, I He had to take my phone calls from my BlackBerry, my work BlackBerry, for a few months. Because any time it would ring, I'd freak out um, it was, it was really unpleasant, that whole time period. Besides getting run over twice in a month, um, it, dude, it was so messed up. Um, and having to deal with you know, getting married. You know, we'd just gotten married, and then the Comcast stuff happened. And it was just a lot of bullshit all at once. And he basically said you know, he would support whatever I did. Um, he's not happy with them. He wasn't happy with them when he was working there. Shit. But, you know, you got to cover your ass and keep your job and not, you know, rock the boat. And to be perfectly honest, if you had invited me to this podcast like three years ago, I would not have been able to talk because my severance agreement prevented me from doing so.
1: Oh, wow. Really? Um,
0: yes. So I part of the reason I'm out and about and talking now to people is because I can. Um, I was... Terrified of the floor of lawyers that I had met in person at Comcast who <laughs> oh. will come after you if they so deem that it is necessary. Um, so I kept my mouth shut. And, mm. I mean, I haven't gotten in trouble. And I actually, uh, besides the Google thing, um, I did an interview with a director who is making a documentary about the Internet and ISPs, which has not really been done before. Um, and I don't know any information regarding when this is going to be released or what festivals it's going to be at, but he does plan on showing it at in, you know, film festivals. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to do that either, and I very upfront told him, I'm worried that if I say some of these things you would like me to say, that I can get in trouble for you know, libel or slander from the company, because they would totally do that. I wouldn't put it past them.
1: Wow, that's terrible. I mean, I'm glad that you're able to join us now and talk honestly. So though. am I. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, I mean the, after the way they treated you to then put in a severance agreement that that you had to sit basically sit down and shut up.
0: And I also wasn't legally allowed to help Comcast customers anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what really pissed me off. It's like, I could do this for free for you, and you're still telling me I can't do it? What the hell? I like helping people.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely in your nature and I, I'll try to remember too, in the show notes, I'll put a link to the, uh, the video of your uh, Google talk because that's interesting. So the, the folks can get a flavor of what you're doing. Cause that was a nice little uh, summation of talk. Yeah, it was, it was really good and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I think that'll help people understand, but you know, we always picture Comcast as, as the evil overlord and, Now I'm only thinking, yeah, they pretty much are the evil overlord for the most part. I I know my wife has a very low opinion of one of the people at the local office when she's gone (laughs) down there, to the point that I'm the only one that can go down there now. Oh, wow. She says, somebody will not be happy if I go down there again.
0: (laughs) You should be glad you still have a local office. I uh, just heard from my mom back in Jersey that they closed both of the local offices that were within a half-hour drive of my mom's house. Now she has to drive two, three counties over to find an office.
1: Wow. Well, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. Our local office, I don't know where there's another close one anywhere is around here for probably any of the surrounding counties here in the Shenandoah Valley. I think everybody that has it probably has to come up to that office. Fortunately, I'm only, you know, 20 minutes away. Oh, nice. So it's not too bad, um, but it, and and my last experience is I went in, uh, I turned in one of my digital cable converters because it was on a television I really wasn't using, and screw you, I'm not going to pay three dollars a month for right? something I'm not using. It still had the original batteries and the remote from where they'd given it to me because I, you know, I used it so little. So I've got a Roku on that TV, and it's good. I can get everything I want to watch on those few occasions nice. when I want to watch it. But um, I mean I'm. The thing that disappoints me more than anything when it comes to comcast again the high high speed internet service is great. it works for me great now I have you know might not after the show, but i <laughs> um it works yeah, it works really good right now um if I'll sick Bonnie on you people if you do anything <laughs> um, and I used to work for the post office and I own assault weapons here, folks, so let me just tell you no, um. But the uh, it's the other stuff. It's the TV service that is so abysmal now. I mean, I, it
0: depends on where you are too. There are some areas that don't even have on demand.
1: Well, now I do have on demand. But what gripes me more than anything is I'm I'm the bundle I have. I'm too cheap to pay for multiple DVRs because it gets too damn expensive. So I only have one on the other two TVs. I just have the little digital converter the
0: DTAs. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's what I just turned in was one of those. And the, uh, the thing that gets me, though, is on those TVs is the channel selection is abysmal. I mean, I've got a few channels here and a few channels there, but then I scroll through it on the guide that it has, and there's all these channels, and there's probably a half, maybe a little bit more of the channel. In languages, I don't speak. That's international packages. I'm going, but I'm supposed to have digital basic. Yeah. So why do I have all these channels in, in languages I can't speak? And I'm sitting there going, what the? You know, I can't even read the guide to tell what the hell this <laughs> show is because it's in a different language. And I'm going, this is just ridiculous the way that's set up. I mean, it's just the way. Again, I have a bundle. I have the bundle, the the triple play bundle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I rarely use the phone. I Nobody
0: it. really uses their landline
1: anymore. Yeah. So, let's
0: let's be honest. Like, when's the last time you picked up a landline that wasn't your
1: work phone? Uh, um, earlier today, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the
2: mother-in-law phone. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, okay. what you're used right. to using.
1: Well, mine's mine's used for a couple things, but I had to call somebody. And but this one, I only use it. I publish it for uh, when I when I t- the days I telework. Mm. I say, hey folks, if my cell phone doesn't work call this, this only rings at my desk at here at home, and I'll answer it. If not, I, I could be dead. Who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> I'm either dead or in the bathroom. One of the two. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just a two choice. But, yeah, it's just... It gets me. And when you call and say something about it, they go, oh, no, you're getting great channels. I'm going, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm getting suck-ass channels here, folks. I wouldn't be
0: calling you if it worked right.
1: Yeah. No,
2: it's- no you're, you're wrong, Kevin. Really, you are. You must realize the error of your ways and correct yourself because you are getting awesome channels because they told you so. Well, I mean, other, right now, <laughs> frankly.
0: Comcast logic is undeniable.
2: That's true. And the only reason we don't get rid
1: of the cable service is because the local school system has a channel that. Ooh. That you can't get anyway but over cable. And any announcements related to school closings due to weather or something like that come there first. Huh. It gets even before the school's uh, texting service or email service or, or calls or re, not reverse 911, but their call out service. Right, right. You get it first on that channel. So that's very helpful. I mean, if it weren't for that, I would ditch the cable TV service altogether, make sure I had enough broadband. And frankly, with the way like CBS has gone now, you can get the CBS app like on your Apple TV or Mm -hmm. on your Roku. And I think they only charge $6 a month or something. Yeah. It's it's dirt Mm -hmm. cheap. Yeah. And frankly, maybe it's the old people's network or not. I don't (laughs) know. But most of the TV we watch, it's on CBS. Mm -hmm. I mean, between CBS and Me TV. Uh, I think that's it, because I can't get much over the air where I live. There yeah, you're in the
0: middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there isn't much. But, you know, they've got to realize at some point that people are going to go that route, and they need to think about themselves as a common carrier. And if they want to keep the TV business, they better frickin' improve the TV offerings at a reasonable price.
0: Well, you want to hear something cool. Um, This is, and I'm not in any way trying to pimp out Time Warner Cable here, but... um. They have this IPTV trial that they're doing in New York City right now, and it is basically your regular cable streaming over an app on your phone or on your browser, or the way I usually watch it is over the Roku. Um, they have a streaming channel on the Roku, and it's great. It's what I expect from a cable company now, but this is still a trial, um, and I don't. It's it's not widely deployed yet, but I see this is the way that cable should be going, and that. In the future, I see that becoming easier for them to make channel offerings a la carte. It's a lot easier to provision an app or a username than it is your cable box, in my opinion.
1: It would have to be.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I see the the way the industry is moving in this direction. Um, I don't know how well it's going to work out for other companies. Right now, I think the only one that's doing it is Time Warner. Um, But... I see that Comcast should probably be going in that direction if they want to maintain the amount of customers they have. Because think about how many people my age, I'm a millennial, I'm 31, um, don't even watch cable. Like, we have YouTube, we have Crunchyroll, we have Drama Fever, we've got all this stuff online that's not cable and it's way better content. <laughs> and there's not shitty commercials with Sarah McLaughlin singing about poor dogs in the background. Oh, so... I know. I know. Everybody just like facepalmed, By the way, y'all couldn't see that, but you know I'm right. Um, so, I mean, having the ability to, you know, finely tune your offerings to your customers that's that's a big deal. And if Comcast can't do that, then they're gonna find themselves up shit creek without a paddle.
1: Yes. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, I, yep. I mean, frankly, most of the content I, I mentioned on the show a while back. Uh, Christmas gift, my wife gave me a nice big forty-eight inch high def television uh, for Christmas, so I I can sit upstairs on my big butt in the recliner, watch it. And then I bought a. I've always used, I've used Roku's. I have two of them, but I decided to experiment with the new Apple TV fourth gen. This thing's freaking amazing. I, I'm not going to go into it because I, I whined on about it to Mike. You talk about times. it all
0: day. <laughs> yeah,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> But the content that I get off that, whether it's YouTube, Netflix, um, the CBS app, or, you know, anything. I watched the whole Super Bowl through the CBS Sports app on the big screen. And I know there was a couple-second delay mm-hmm. because I could hear my wife mm-hmm. down here. She was watching the game on just on cable. So there was, like, a couple-second delay. But... I don't even know if it was a couple seconds. It was just amazing to be able to sit there and watch the game just streaming across the internet. And they did it for free. I mean, I got some commercials. I got that god-awful halftime show, which I just muted, which please, please kill the freaking halftime show. We do not need that in any I'm shape or form. good. Uh, it hadn't been good for... Since the last time they had a high school band player play or some college player. Hey,
0: I'm all for marching bands. I'm a huge band nerd. Uh,
1: you need to talk to my oldest. She is too.
0: I uh, help run an indoor color guard.
1: There you go. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's marched in the local festival with. Uh, she did it in middle school and uh, but didn't do it. Dropped out of it when she got to high school. And my wife is a former band nerd too. So
0: awesome. My <laughs> husband is too. And funny enough, guys, most people don't know this about me. But I went to school to be a music teacher. Oh wow! Not anything <laughs> it related.
1: Wow, that is yeah, kind I've of been a playing a,
0: cello for twenty-one years. That's and a, I play a bunch of other string instruments just for shits and giggles.
1: <laughs> that's that's a juxtaposition if there ever was one.
0: But you would be surprised how many people in tech actually started off as music majors. I've met. I was working for VMware for a little bit when I moved out here. Uh, they laid me off. Um oh, sorry.
1: <laughs> boo! Um, <laughs> I have and, a connection um, with him, by the way.
0: I was working with a guy who was a classically trained bassist. Another guy had his master's in percussion. Um, a lot wow. of musicians that work there that are super technical. And I think it's because... When you learn tech, it's kind of the same way you're learning an instrument. It's very hands-on. It's it's not so much um, textbook learning because it changes so often. It's just getting your hands dirty in the tech, just like you do with an instrument.
1: Well, you know, though, here's something. I'm not a big music person. My, we won't <laughs> go into that either. All right, Mike, just yes. be quiet. My iTunes library is about 200 songs, Bonnie. Holy
0: just. crap. I don't think I've ever only had 200 songs.
1: <laughs> but, any, you know, but anyway, the... Uh, I was, I was. You said that it made me think. There's always the old saying that music is based on math. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very mathematically based, and I don't tell my kids that because most of them hate math. But so do I. (laughs) But then math, people that were math majors were some of the first computer scientists. Mm -hmm. So see, there is a definite connection there. You know, so I mean, it it makes what you're saying makes sense to me on that level. I mean, I studied as a civil engineer. I wasn't a computer. I wasn't in IT. My degree, is civil engineering. So completely. But again, what is civil? What is engineering based on? Math. Lots well, of funny math. Funny
0: thing is, I actually, I got back when SATs the highest you could get was sixteen hundred. I think it's like twenty something hundred now. Um, I got a perfect score on my verbal and a 370 on my math. Like, I think you get a 370 just for writing your fucking name on the test. Like, (laughs) I'm really horrible with math, and I didn't know until recently that there's this thing. It's like dyslexia. It's called dyscalculia, where you see numbers, and they start, like, freaking out, and they don't register right in your head. And I had no idea that was a thing because it wasn't a thing when I was in school. Um, And now I know that I should probably approach learning math a little different. And I'm doing like Khan Academy videos so I can learn it. Um, But most people are really surprised by that fact because I have been working in tech for so long. And they're like, what? And you're a musician? How does that work? Because math with music, easy as pie. It's not not numbers. It's notes. So that's something some of your viewers or readers, listeners, might find interesting.
2: (laughs) Well, I think it may boil down to the fact that when you're looking at like I said, it's, it's uh, tactical, I mean, or tactic, you touch stuff, and it's also visual because you look at the notes and it makes sense. Now, numbers are abstract. I mean, that's, you know, they represent things, but they're not real. But I mean, the notes you can look at, and I, I have this theory about nerds anyway, that the reason why nerds are going to computers or system analysts, or in my case, I mean, I'm, I'm a high school custodian, but we all... We have this thing about systems. We look at systems, and like say, we want to make them better. We want to tweak, and we want to do what we can to improve them. And that's what we do for fun. Most people look at us and go, "Really? Ugh. I want, I want a beer." Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, I, I, I live in a small midwestern town, so yeah, I'm the token nerd in town here. But we look at these things, and what can we do to make them better? What can we do to tweak them? We try to understand them, and so when everything goes sideways, it's usually. Us that they turn to and say, "How do we fix this?" Um, so we've earned our place in modern society because we're the go-to people for fixing. Because yep. we've taken the time mm-hmm. to figure things out, uh, whereas everyone else just wants to use it. And like say, when it goes to crap, we got to step in and, and save their bacon. So,
0: but we're the passionate ones. We're the ones who mm-hmm. have the passion to learn. And mm-hmm. a lot of people they learn what they got to learn, and that's it. You know, the bare mm-hmm. bones to get their degree, mm-hmm. and then that's it. And I, I see in tech, if you don't have a passion to learn, you're not going to get very far mm-hmm. because the tech changes like every week now.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I think what comes, at least it does for me, is I've aged. Um, I'm pretty old yeah, compared <laughs> to you anyway. Uh, well, my, and Mike and I are the same age. We're, we're both 53. Or no, he's 54 now.
0: You're old that. enough to be my dad.
1: Thank you. That makes me
0: sad. yes.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, Bonnie, just, just to be fair, I, the company I work at, I have worked at longer than you've been alive. Holy crap. <laughs> I've been there coming up on 34 years. Anyway.
0: Holy moly.
1: <laughs> but anyway, the, the thing for me now as I've aged, it's, there's so much information out there that I want to learn. It's the information overload to some extent, but I could literally lose myself in learning for hours at a time. Um, it, it, it's just, I want to absorb it all. It's, it's, uh, what was that episode we were talking about, Star Trek? What was that episode where they overlearned the, the, com- the, uh, uh, it was just computer. like in War, just like in War Games oh. where they overstimulated the computer. There was an right. episode of Star Trek. with Moriarty? Might, might have been that one. I can't where remember. they being Maybe. a foe
0: that could beat data?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, okay. where you're just overstimulating too much information. Right. And that's and that's where I find myself. It's like oh, I see a new programming language. Quick, I got to go learn that language. You know, you know. But you don't need it. You have no practical use for it. I don't no. care. I, <laughs>
0: why, I not, will... why not learn it? It could come in handy one day. You never know.
1: I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, because right. I mean, I'm an old COBOL programmer. That's how I got into IT. That that, that dates me, and I've said that before. Um, yeah, Bonnie's about to spit her water now.
0: <laughs> My mom learned Fortran in high school and I'm like, "Wow, what's that, mom?" Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> I did I took a little Fortran. No thank you. That was that was I although I have had a desire, uh thanks to Steve Gibson, I don't know if anybody knows who he is with Gibson Research Corporation, I have had a desire to go back and learn assembly language oh, so Lord. I can talk directly to the hardware. Nice I want to talk smile. to the metal. Yeah, so,
2: but- and and, you know, I'm going to date myself here because when we first started out with computers, um, and I think we've talked about it in the podcast before, but we didn't have, uh, or I couldn't afford uh, to buy programs or you bought programs that came on cassette tapes because we were using cassette tapes even before they had floppy disks and a hard drive. Oh, Lord, no. Um, so I would sit there with my uh, computer magazine and type in uh, the the programs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and... Nobody make the wrong comment, but that's why I got good at one-handed typing because I'm holding the book (laughs) in one hand. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Sure. Everyone's sure. yeah, no, that's not the other reason people. No. Uh-huh. It's from holding, you know, and take going down the, the the lines of code there with your uh note card and you're trying to type it in right. And I hated, you know, and there wasn't assembly language, what they would do is they would take the assembly language and turn it into binary code or uh hexadecimal code. And then you had to sit there and type in and a lot of it was like peaks and pokes and all that kind of stuff to push the stuff into, you know, memory there, and there were certain things like um, E's and 3's would drive me up a wall, Zeros and O's, uh, yeah, you had to sit yeah. there and, and I was really happy when they start, settled upon the standards of putting a slash across your O's <laughs> so I could tell which was which, because that made things a lot easier uh, but I mean, that's how much of a nerd I was but I sat there, and, and I, th- I still got them at home, it was um, the Tandy color computer, and I think I've got I
0: your Tandy! Awesome, but it had floppies.
2: Uh, well, I eventually I, I worked up to a floppy disk for that—a five and a quarter inch floppy. You know, Kevin. We're going from one hand to typing the floppies, but anyway. Um, Sorry, Bob. I, I know we did Don't graduate up to that, and I, I always wanted to have a hard drive because I'd be like awesome because you didn't have to sit there and you know swap the floppies around all the time. Um,
1: swap the floppies. Piece. All right. Yeah.
2: Sneaker net. Yes, that too. Um, but I still have those books at home, and they covered a lot of – and they did a lot of things in there. They talked about assembly language. like I kind of went, mm, no, over, over my head. But they did uh, – they talked about BASIC a lot because it had BASIC built into it. Um so I uh, learned a lot of that and they had other things like some Pascal and some other things and they talked about hardware. I think that's where I got a lot of knowledge of my basic computer programming was just reading those computer magazines and again you had passionate people writing about this stuff mm-hmm. and then they would have this help section about this doesn't work and then you know you had helpful people who actually you know knew what they were doing post answers in there or suggestions or something and you know it was that community that uh community of spirit or whatever, that you had all these people that were passionate about this one computer, and they get together and they'd share information and all this other kind of stuff. People write articles and all this other stuff, and, you know, you just, and I, I kind of miss that now. You know, now it's just, you know, you download something from the internet some, from some nameless group that you have no connection with, and you hope you haven't gotten a virus along the way or, you right. know, some scuzzy like that. Uh, and I do kind of miss that uh, that passion. We never had a user group out here, uh, too small, because I was like a one-person user group. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so I never got to really experience that. But it's just, you know, that uh, feeling of community. And now it's just like, you know, they just become like a car, uh, modern cars. You just sit down and, you know, you, you, you use it. It's a utility. It's a knife. It's, a, you know, a, a, a typewriter. Or something. It's just one more thing that you, you use. And the passion for this is... I think it's still there, but it's not the way that it used to be.
1: Okay, here's a nerd question for both of you. Raise oh. your hand if you know the answer. Mm. Basic, is it or isn't it an acronym for something else?
0: It is an acronym.
1: <sighs> sorry,
0: I was supposed to raise my hand. I'm that's, sorry.
1: That's all right. What is yeah. it an acronym for?
0: I don't even know. <laughs> it was always written as the acronym on all the books on the bookshelf mm-hmm. in my house, so I never Beginners, actually. Beginners,
2: all-purpose, symbolic. Instruction code. Yeah, pardon me Please. while I slap my forehead because I know I've heard it before, but I just couldn't. My random access memory is getting uh, faulty as I get older. I can't. My, my RAM's it.
0: pretty bad too, and I'm not even that old yet. So.
2: <laughs> and you uh, got no place left to scavenge it from,
0: right? Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh,
1: that is bad. But uh, no, I. You know, it is. It is the passion. The passion you have about customer service. To the point that that you guys actually formed, you know, the Masons within Comcast. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, when you you're you're, you're you're saying that, and all I'm flashing back to is uh, uh, National Treasure, and I'm oh. thinking about, I'm just thinking about, you know. Are you Nicolas Cage? Are we interviewing the Nicolas Cage? I have
0: to go get the Constitution, guys. This is really vitally important to providing you with excellent customer service. Isn't it serious face? I'm giving a very serious face right now.
1: Yes. I should have done a, I should have done a screenshot of it. Oh, I make command four. Yep, here we go. There we go. All right. So, no, you know, that's. But that's the passion and the stuff that makes us geeks, that makes us nerds. We talked about Star Trek. We're we're all passionate about those types of things. And and, and as we said on the show before, you can geek about anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, back in the day when I was in high school... Uh, after the horse and buggies would deliver us from school, we'd get out our D and D dice and yep. we play and we'd play Dungeons and Dragons. I was in the early Dungeons and Dragons club at my high school. Nice. Yes, ladies, I was that popular.
2: So <laughs> sexy. Yeah,
1: but uh, you know, it was it was that type of thing that 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 led us to the passions and made us geeks. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, you know, I think that the Bonnie's geekdom is just amazing. And the passion that she has.
0: Well, I have to really... Everybody has their influence on who makes them the way they are. And, you know, both of my parents, they're not technical people. My mom was a social worker and an elementary school teacher and a college professor throughout my life. My dad's a truck driver, okay? So they're not technical people. But my grandfather was one of the original hobbyists back, like, when the Navy was starting to build computers and stuff. So he's always had this really... Um, sharp, keen interest in learning everything he could about computers, and when I'd go over to his house, he had an entire basement full of just parts from some really old computers, too, and he'd just let me go at it down there, play with computers, do whatever, and, you know, learn things as I was going along, like how to use DOS, how to load a program from a floppy disk, um, and I'm like four or five years old at this point, so learning DOS at four or five is really interesting, by the way. Yeah, um, I can
2: imagine. <laughs> and taxing. Also,
0: I mean, you've got to realize, and I hate to pull the tits card here, but I have tits, and that makes it really hard <laughs> to be in the IT industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate. There are a lot of places that are not bad to work for if you're a girl, mm-hmm. um, but there have been a lot of places where – I've been, and they 2nd guess everything I say. And I'm like, I've had so many years doing this thing that we're talking about. Why are you second-guessing me? And later I find out it's because I've got some tatas on the front of me. But um, I was not encouraged in school to do tech. It, it, oh, yes. it was like it blew the computer um, clubs. Uh, the computer club was like a computer science club in high school, and there were six dudes who were the biggest fucking nerds I've ever seen, and me. That was <laughs> Um, I have my cousin um, who works in Infosec um, for a pretty big company, encouraged me throughout all of my life to continue really digging into these things that I was asking him about. He's, he used to work for Sun before they got gobbled up by Oracle um, and was like, we're doing this cool open source thing, you know, Star Office and oh, yeah. you know, I'm like, I had not even open source did not become this huge big deal. Until I guess like maybe the 2000s, late 90s, 2000s,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And I've had the internet since 1994, which is great. And I mean, like proper dial-up internet, not AOL or Prodigy or CompuServe. Yeah. Um. And you know, I think having that so early on and having a bunch of people encouraging me to do things that nobody else was encouraging me to do, it was like you didn't see many women at all doing IT in the 90s. Yeah. um, Really gave me like this passion to just keep driving forward to learn these things despite all the obstacles that i've come up against you know it's the internet doesn't care if you're a girl or a guy or if you're gay or black or you're white you know most people think i'm a dude on irc and i'm totally cool with them thinking that um but you know having the people there to really you know cheer you on and give you that information you need and the encouragement to pursue your passion, whatever that is really helped me out and I'm sure if you know some of the other people that are working in IT now have probably had similar experiences, something drove them to continue pursuing that passion.
1: Well I know I work with a lady who's uh, just um, she's maybe a, a year or so. I won't say her name to be polite. She's a year, maybe two years older than I am, if I remember correctly. And she's been in IT her whole life. And she's uh, a CISP, C I S S P, is that right? Uh, certified Security Professional. Nice. I mean, she's <laughs> she's smart. She's the person I go to for questions. So, I mean, and interesting enough, the IT department I work in, we have probably a. Third of the group is is female. That's awesome. So I that's mean, not
0: typical that I've. Oh, seen. I know
1: it's very atypical. I know yes. that because I have another friend who is a director of a large IT organization, and they don't have that many women in the in the organization. I know the couple, I know a couple of them that work in his organization. I'm friends with them, uh, but you know it is a shame. And I always encourage my daughters. You know, if you're interested. Dad will share with you. You want to build a computer with dad? Dad will will do it with you. But it's, you know, they don't have the great thing. I, I will have to say, my oldest came in the other day. I was troubleshooting. Something was going on. I didn't have Bonnie to reach out to. Yeah. Um, and Shots. something something was going on. So I dropped into the terminal to start doing some tests and see what I could figure out. And my oldest came in with, shit. oh, cool text interface. I went, yeah, command or command line. She actually did know it was command line. Awesome. And I said, Anytime, sweetie, that you want to learn the command line, that's how I learned to use computers. There was no such thing as a point and Mm -hmm. click. The first time I got a mouse in my hand, I went, what the hell is this thing? You know, (laughs) why am I doing that? I can just type it faster than I can do that. I mean, you know, writing batch programs and doing all that. I used to carry around a floppy with all my little hand-coded batch programs. And when I showed up to work on a computer, I could just... Put it in, and I had yep. all my utilities that I had written or, or gotten. That hold would of. totally
0: not be okay today.
1: Oh, totally. <laughs> no, no verboten, as they say, verboten. So, yeah, it's it's not. So, I, I do applaud you, Bonnie, for being out there on the edge and and what you've done, especially when it comes to um, the learning and the way you've been encouraged. I think that's awesome that your cousins and your family have done that. Because I'm sure that even though your parents aren't technical, they've supported you going through that oh, yeah. process. Absolutely. So I, I I think that's amazing and I I just think I, there needs to be more of that. There needs to be more of that for people out there. I
0: totally agree. Um, I, I like that there are more programs out there that are encouraging, you know, both girls and boys to get into STEM, not just, you know, computer stuff, but any sort of engineering because that's that's where we're heading as a society. We need more engineers. We need less lawyers and stuff like that and yeah. CEOs, but um, – you know, one thing I I want to interject real quick is you were saying how my parents really encouraged me to do this stuff. Um, they didn't always like it. Um, <laughs> in middle school, we had this compact Presario CD TV. It had a coax jack in the back of it, so you could watch TV on it. I remember that was that the awesome. hotness. Um, but they put a BIOS password on it, and I'm like, what do I do? I'm looking on the internet, and I'm like, "How do I learn how to get past this thing?" So I pulled the CMOS battery off the motherboard. <laughs> My dad got so mad; he's like, "You could have fried the computer!" And I'm like, "There's no password now. Don't put a password on." <laughs> so they weren't always totally cool with that, but you know, they understood that. You know, that's how you learn. So
1: you'll appreciate this. My children around here. I, I'm very anti Facebook, and that's that's been I've made no secret of that in my adult life, or in recent years. But uh, my children, they get the questions from their friends: "We can't find you on Facebook," or something about this, or "You drop offline at such and such a time every day." And they just look at their <laughs> friends and go, "My dad's in IT."
0: <laughs> oh, it sucks for them
1: because <laughs> they're uh, my daughter's favorite thing is she she signed up. She's really good about it. I don't mean to say that she's not. If she signs up for a cert before signing up for something, she comes to my wife and I ask. We look at it, check it out, make sure it's safe because you have to protect your kids. That's the way the world is nowadays. Um, but one time she went ahead and signed up for something thinking it was okay without asking, and I went to her and said, "So uh, you signed up for service?" And she looked at me. <laughs> but how'd you know? I said, "It's called traffic monitoring, honey." <laughs> I can see everything. Huh. she and That's where I was going. She, said, she had the phrase, she went, So, mom in the real world has the eyes in the back of her head. In the online world, you have the eyes everywhere. And I said, That's it, hon. You got us covered. Because awesome. I, I jumped into a conversation between her and her boyfriend online one time. She went, Huh? No. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> well, fortunately, I mean, I, you know, it wasn't anything bad. I just needed to ask a question. So I was just being polite. You know, I just jumped in and said, I need to know this. And she's like. <laughs> and, but, her, yeah. and her, and her, but her boyfriend's really cool with it because he grew up without a dad. And he thinks I'm just kind of really cool because I'm around and, and do things. But. You know, it's it's interesting. It's it's definitely a different parenting than than my mother, who was born in the nineteen twenties, did. So, I mean, yeah. a very different. She grew up in the depression, so you know, it's
0: going to be interesting for me because I don't. I think I told you this, but I have a four year old living with me right now. She's not mine. Her mom lives with us. It was a really bad situation in her marriage, and we took her out of it. But we have this four-year-old living with us all of a sudden, and I don't want kids. That's not my thing. But I'm imagining, we were thinking the other day, like, this little kid probably is not going to have to learn how to drive a car. Possibly. When she turns yes. 18, they, they, they might have perfected self-driving cars. And, you know, I'm also thinking about when she, what's the internet going to be like when she's a teenager it's totally different from when I was a teenager, when teenagers have now, you know, we didn't have YouTube, they might have, like, some other weird shit that we don't understand, and, you know, it really makes me wonder, how are we going to approach this in the future for the kids, because, oh, yeah. uh, that's and be date, interesting. Well,
2: and I date myself once in a while, but, you know, you'll say, I'll use phrases like, you sound like a skipping record, and kids will look at me and, what? All right, a corrupted uh, or a, a skipping CD, and now I'm—I think I got to change it to a corrupted MP3 just yeah, so you understand probably. what I'm talking about. Or how do you teach things like clockwise and cl- uh, counterclockwise in the digital clock world? Uh, you know, all those kinds of things. I mean, how do you, you know? So it's going to be not bad. It's just going to—well, it's going to be different for the parents. The kids will go. Yeah, whatever. Um, they'll adapt, but, you know, it's the parents that'll be, you know, uh, us old folks. Uh, you know, way back when we used to carve into stone tablets, we, you know, used to do it. Yeah, and we get, I, I like to think that we adapt better than, like, my parents did because, you know, m- my parents were probably even older than Kevin's. So, because uh, uh, my dad would have been, uh, in a couple days, he would have been 101 years old. So, holy you know, he's, holy. yeah, so he's old, uh, or would have been old, but um yeah. And, you know, he had, he, I like to think that he, you know, adapted, he was a, a farmer his whole life. So I think he liked to adopt modern practices. So it wasn't like, you know, this is the way we've always done it. We're not going to do it any different. But I think he would probably, if he would have lived past 1979, I think, because 79 is when the tech thing really, yeah. you know, started First the to computer, take off. It
0: changed yeah. the world.
2: Yes. And so I, I, I'm just trying to picture sometimes how he would have dealt with that and, you know, all the technology and, would you know, would he say that it's dehumanizing us? I, I don't like to think so. I think he likes to bring it together because if it wasn't for the computer, I never would have met Kevin. I never would have met you. I never would have met a lot of the nerds <laughs> that I know. And so, again, I would just be this token nerd out here in the middle of South Dakota, um, you know, looking for somebody else to nerd out with. Um, and I've been down that road before. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses to everything. But I think that the technology, if used properly, is good. And like I say, you've used it to try and help customers with their issues. Uh, you know, you use it to reach out to people and talk to them. And like I say, make new friends, learn new experiences. So, you know, I, I think it's a, a good thing, but it you have to learn to adapt to it. And I hope that we would be, of course, I can just see, you know, the back to the future future where you've got uh, kids and you know their their hoverboards and all the weird stuff and we're going, no, what what the hell's this stuff? Um
0: you kind of have hoverboards and Nike just made those self uh, tying shoes, so
1: Oh wow. I'm gonna have to get a <laughs> pair of those. Save me having to tie my own damn shoes. I'm all for that. <laughs> I'm waiting for the self driving cars too, because my forty five mile or ninety mile round trip commutes getting old. So.
0: I, I totally feel you there. My commute to Philly was actually two hours every day. Oh. That's not round trip. That was each way. And it wasn't, you know, mileage really. It was I was on a train.
1: You know, that's interesting because you just made me think of one of the other times you helped me. You said, I'll help you in a little while, I gotta get home. And you said, it's going to take me a couple hours to get there. You, you, I remember you saying that on one instance towards the end of your time there. And I said, it's okay. I, it's cool. You know? <laughs> but you were just saying, you said, I'll check on it when I get home and get back to you. And there was something to that effect. It was one of the last times you worked with me on something. So It's
0: Bless- because I worked half the day in Philly and half the day in New Jersey because the trains didn't run late enough to get me home. I worked till 11 o'clock at night. and. And the trains to Delaware would stop at 9.30. So I would go home on my lunch break at like 6, 6.30 and then sign in from home and then help people from home till 11. And honestly, I would go till 2 o'clock a lot of mornings just because I wanted to make sure that I could get everybody taken care of that I had promised to help that day i don't miss that commute though man i definitely don't miss that commute and if i were still doing that right now i'd be screwed because they closed that span of track because of that rail
1: yeah i saw that mm.
0: i'm a huge rail nerd my-, my dad works for amtrak now so like i would you know i'm pretty big into trains i love trains um that <gasps> wow. really killed me seeing that this morning because one of the guys that died is somebody he knew so oh
1: my oh my yeah I I I'm a train nerd too and our other co-host yes. that's not on the show he's big into trains. I'm into model trains, but I'm also into the real thing, very much into steam. Nice. Uh, nice. I've uh, uh, uh well you'll know where I'm talking about. I've been up to Strasburg, Pennsylvania.
0: Yes. I used to go there all the time.
1: Yeah, we've been <laughs> up there multiple times and ridden that train. We probably used to go ride it two or three times a year. And one of our old shows, it's in the episode like 70 something if I remember right. Mark and I talked about Mark Greentree, who's the guy you're not on here with us tonight. Uh, I took a trip in 2012 where I took the train from Union Station in Washington to uh, uh, Orlando, Florida.
0: Is and that, um, did you do the auto train?
1: No, I just did the regular train. Oh. so I was... did the
0: auto train a few times. That's really interesting
1: yeah I, uh, well, the kids have talked about that, and they'd like to go to Disney world. and I'm going, no, you all would not be happy compliant in a train compartment for for <laughs> twenty two hours or something like that it's
0: It's not a short trip that's for sure,
1: yeah, and no, it's definitely not, but he was amazed at the fact that we could talk coming you know I had my uh I had a my fi with me, so I turned it on, and he and I had a skype conversation video skype conversation as I'm rocketing up through Florida. You know, nice. I was just getting right really across from Florida into uh, Georgia when he and I were talking, you know, uh, and he was, you know, it was just amazing to think about that. So nice. but I, I don't yeah.
0: know if that if Here's... the passenger rail that train without the train, the cars on it goes on the same tracks. As the auto train, because it goes out of Lorton, and it's mostly freight rail all the way down there. And like you may have noticed this when you hit Georgia, it stank to high heavens where the paper mills are.
1: Oh, I was (laughs) asleep because that was when we went through Georgia because I took an evening train. Ah. So I hit. We hit South Carolina probably about ten thirty at night. So I was already trying to get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's a very uh, it, cool uh, ride.
0: I, if anybody yeah. like that's never ridden a train before, and there's a lot of people I've found that have never been on a train before. If you get the opportunity to do it, do it because you get to see parts of America that you can't see from the road. Like yeah. especially out here in Colorado, they are literally carved into the side of mountains here. The tracks, and I'm really excited to go on like the Royal Guar- uh, the Royal Gorge mm-hmm. Railroad, the Rio Grande. Like there's all these old railroads you hear about out here, and I finally have the
2: opportunity to ride them.
1: Oh wow, that is so yeah, oh. big railroad nerd. I love the trains. Oh
2: yeah, I love. Trains. Oh yeah, and and my uh I'm not, uh but my grand uh, my uh, father-in-law was, and he had model railroad layouts. He had all the parts. He had all the stuff for doing the little trees and
0: people's and <laughs> dioramas,
2: and he had nice. the. uh Yes, and he would uh and there was a model railroaders uh club uh in the town where he lived, uh our next town over a big big suburban area of like uh twenty thousand people or whatever. Uh so he had a model railroaders club there. And yeah, and so when he passed away, we're going through this stuff and he literally had your uh, little drawers, your little uh pull out drawers full of screws and nails and stuff for mounting. Uh, he had cars, you, everything that you would need to do a layout, um, mm-hmm. and all the hardware that you would need to put things together. Uh, and we're just baffled. I mean, we we, we understand the stuff, but we don't know what to do with it. And I think we end up, eventually ended up selling it. And we, each of the kids got a model uh, train or a, a car from him, because we none of us were the the railroad nerd that he was, but we all, uh, they all, the kids, and there's only three uh, grandkids. Our three were his only grandkids, so they each got a car, you know, to remember him by. But he would set up the train in the living room at Christmas time and run it around. And I think his idea ideal would have been down in his room to put a track up on the wall go around, around the around the
0: room, yes. I love it when restaurants do that. That's one of my favorite things to see when I walk into a place and there's a train going around the perimeter of the room. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, this was the first year in a while that I didn't put the train around the tree. We were just tired. There was a lot going on and it was, we were just It's a lot way
0: to get it out and properly set up if it's a, you know, not a plastic set.
1: Well, mine's the, uh, I'm big into Lionel O-Gage. Okay. So... I do have, for the around the tree stuff, I do have what they call their uh, ready to, ru- or not, what's it called? The track that has the pre-built roadbed so that I can put it around the tree. Okay. But I, but I have to get it out. I got to clean the track, and I mm-hmm. got to mm-hmm. set it all up. And, you know, then I have to, the train that I have for around the tree plays music, so I have to make sure it's all working. <laughs> to, to, well, very, Kevin, much a,
2: very much a railroad yeah. nerd. And I was going to say, come out to South Dakota sometime. We'll go to the other end of the state, out to the Black Hills. They've got the 1880 train out there, a oh, steam gosh. engine that runs through the Black Hills. That's yeah. so
0: cool. I totally forgot mm. South Dakota was a state and Wyoming until I moved out here.
2: <laughs> Seriously, like, I'm like, what is that other mm.
0: square state in the middle of the country? I know it's not yeah. Colorado. And like, oh,
2: mm.
0: Wyoming.
2: <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I get that. In South Dakota is flyover country. We've got Mount Rushmore, so at least people may kind of realize that. You have slow,
1: they slow down. <laughs> They slow down.
2: So. Mm, well, we'll see about that. But, yeah. <laughs> but, no. Uh,
1: so, well, that's great. Bonnie, it has been a true pleasure to talk to you. And I want to thank you for being on the show this it's week. no
0: problem. If you ever want me to come back, this has been fun. You guys are fun. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> you, you certainly brought the energy up here because I haven't laughed like that in a while. So
0: Oh, well, I'm but, glad I could provide some humor. And I
2: haven't well, brought yeah. water all over my microphone in yeah. know, a
0: while. That is the crowning achievement of this podcast is making him spit water out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, we do it once in a while. Like when I tell Kevin he's number one, so you know, uh, that's the end joke here. But you know, but yeah, it was nice to have, some, like I say, some energy and just a, a different viewpoint, and you know, and like I say, just another nerd. Uh, it, it's always fun to have one on. So
1: I'm
0: happy to be here, guys.
1: Bonnie, yep. you want to plug yourself, where people can find you or read more about you online?
0: Uh there is a, a New York times article that you can Google. If you just Google New York times and Comcast, Bonnie, um, I'm at Bonniezilla on Twitter. I am at Bonniezilla on Instagram. I do not friend people on Facebook cause it's for my family pretty much. And I've had some stalkers from Comcast, so I'd rather not have people. I don't know on my Facebook, but, um, I'm all over the internet. If you just Google me you could probably find me. I'm not really trying to plug myself to do anything here. So if you want to talk, just reach out to me on Twitter. I mean, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. It's public. So yeah. as long as you're not a creep ball or something weird, then I'm totally <laughs> cool with you. So just don't be a bad human being and
1: we're cool. She talks to me, folks. I mean, you know well, <laughs> uh,
2: in in the immortal words of Will Wheaton, don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty so, much. So
1: that's great. Uh Michael, in case people have forgotten in the long (laughs) expanse since we took last week off where they can find you, you want to tell them where they can find out more about you?
2: Yeah, I'm on Twitter, not as often as I used to be, every once in a while I throw a comment out, but there I can be found at DSC Chipman. And I have my uh, about.me account at um, aboutme Mike McPeak. That's M C P E E K. And I was going to throw a plug out. We've gotten, we're, we're trying to get things back on track with, uh, we all have lives, but our other podcast that we do, Sci Fi Tech Talk, um, you can check that out at scifitechtalk.com. And I think the next thing we're going to do is the uh, television show The Expanse.
0: Oh, I've heard Uh, about it. I have not seen that yet. It sounds really
2: good, though. It is. Uh, I bought the whole season on um, uh, Amazon. I've watched it, and it's my excuse for watching more sci-fi. So for our podcast, we've done that. We've done Dark Matter, which is another sci-fi Sifi channel show.
0: If you ever want to talk Star Trek, I mean, I'm a huge Trekkie, so...
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah and the the lady i podcast with julie keel yeah her phrase is uh you know it all goes back to star trek so uh,
1: yes that's where we got our all goes back to the big bang theory for this
2: show for yes. us. <laughs> we kind of uh, co-opted our tagline which is fine mm-hmm. so but like i say you can check us out at com, and we have a back catalog of all i forget what we're up to we must be up to 180 uh, some i should see where we're at but we got a, a couple years worth some of number yeah, one of those things It's that, a real uh, just number, just not an imaginary things. number. <laughs> well, we you know, we think it may be a real number, but uh <laughs> let's see here. Uh, we are up to hundred and fifty-seven. So there nice. you go. Yeah. Covering all sorts of uh tech tech in sci-fi uh, stories. So uh yeah, come check us out.
1: Great. Folks, if you want to find out more about me, you can follow me on Twitter. That's where I tend to be the most active. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A or I'm over on Google Plus now occasionally I sniped in I should say today to make a few comments on Google Plus uh, I don't do Facebook we've made that very famously <laughs> clear um, but anyway you can find me over there if you want to find out more about the show go over to dot com. reviews and iTunes are always welcome So, folks, we want to thank you for listening to the show. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you tonight. And please remember, if you do nothing else between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchard, host of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. Each month, I gather together a panel of photographers, and we chat about a theme related to the art and craft of photography. It's not about the gear. It's about making better photos regardless of your camera. Listen and subscribe at www.leps-talk.ie